Uh, we move now to our, our gospel reading, and today's gospel is according to the witness of St. Mark, uh, the 13th chapter. Uh, this reading begins at verse 28. This is Jesus speaking. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at the dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Uh, brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Every week is a busy week at Faith Lutheran, but these past weeks have been especially busy as uh, your staff and your fellow members have been preparing for uh, our Christmas joy. Lots of extra bulletins to print for Christmas Eve, getting the newsletter ready as people are looking forward to enjoying some well-deserved time on holiday, on vacation. And then there was a, a funeral here uh, this last week as well. Some of you heard that we opened our hearts and opened our, our church doors to a family that uh, doesn't have affiliation here. Uh, I knew one of the sons of the deceased through my work on a on a board of directors, and he reached out saying, would faith allow us to be here? And so uh, many people were blessed and touched by our congregation's uh, hospitality. Uh, you need to know that we're one of the few uh, larger churches in Albuquerque that's still willing to open its doors to people who don't have a home church. We look at that as an opportunity to serve God, to preach the gospel, and to minister to hurting people. And in the midst of that busy, busy week, I saw one of our fellow members who was here, and she waved at me in the centrum and said, Pastor Bruce, I'm so looking forward to Christmas. And I said, yeah, so am I. Is it because you're going to have your children home? And she goes, no, no, I'm looking forward to Christmas so I can finally rest. And then she went on to describe... Uh, all the days since basically um, Thanksgiving as a race. And she goes, and, and it doesn't feel like a marathon where you kind of pace yourself. She, goes, she says, every morning I feel like I'm, I'm back in this exhausting sprint uh, to the finish line. That is December 25th. And I don't think she's alone in feeling that way. Uh, let me tell you, um, it's not really a secret, because I've shared it with other people, but let me tell you something you don't know. 
uh, many church members will say to Pastor Clark, to Pastor Watts and me, oh, God bless you all. I know that December is really a busy, busy time for you. Well, it's not busy for us as the other months because you're so busy. It's really hard to schedule meetings and appointments with people like you. So December is kind of, kind of calm compared to the other months because your calendars are so full. I, I've tried to have meetings with some of you and you said, it ain't going to work till January. That's fine by me. And more than a few of you have described um, your particular long lists of all the things you have to do. Holiday parties to host and attend, gifts to be selected and purchased for family and coworkers, packages to be mailed. Um, oh, by the way, uh, the uh, kiosk at the shift post office is not working. Kirsten and I went there and stood in line for 45 minutes to mail packages to our daughters who live out of state. We thought we could use the kiosk, but I think the thing has just been uh, overused. It's, it's not working. There's plenty to do uh, in this home stretch. Our sons and daughters away at college have, you know, pushed through final exams and writing those term papers. There's plenty to keep us busy during this, this home stretch to Christmas during the season that we're winding up uh, called Advent. We're a busy bunch of people. And in the midst of the rushing, the errands, the shopping, the the holiday parties, Jesus has told you in his gospel something that should go to the top of your list and my own. Stay awake. Stay awake. Jesus says that because he doesn't want us to miss what God is doing. Stay awake. Because a... uh, a sleepy Christian, like a sleepy church, will not be ready for the coming of the Lord. See, Advent historically has always been about preparation, about getting ready. And just as we prepare homes, offices, and sanctuaries, and outdoor lighting for the Christmas holiday, God wants us to be spiritually prepared for the coming of his son. Think about this. If you didn't know it, Advent is not just, you know, preparing to look back 2,000 years to when the word was made flesh and Jesus came among us. Advent is also a looking forward to his promised second coming. So Advent is really a dress rehearsal for the promised coming of the Lord. Uh, musicians can tell you Um, I think Rhonda and Eliana and Amy can tell you um, the way typically in which you rehearse and go over a piece of music um, has a strong kind of indication on how things might go on on Sunday morning. Rehearse well with all the nuances and the anthem, the offertory typically goes well. Uh, Skip rehearsal, rehearse badly And, you know, sometimes things will follow suit. There might be a musical train wreck. Uh, Those of you with uh, military experience know this. All that drilling, the marching, the training, doing those same exercises over and over again, it's all in preparation, right, 
for the real thing. A soldier should not be ill-prepared for the real thing. Lord, have mercy uh, when the time comes. So we Christians are to stay awake, says Jesus, for the coming of the Lord. And how can we um, be alert? How can we avoid being uh, a sleepy people uh, who aren't looking for the advent of Christ? A Christian who is ready uh, lives in the knowledge of at least these three things. Uh, the first is an overwhelming sense of, of opulence. Not worldly opulence, but the opulent love of God in Christ. We live in awe of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Our God, in whom we have been enriched in every way. A Christian lives in a sense of wonder. Because God's love is so vast, God's grace is so boundless, and God's mercy is so complete. Yes, even in times of great personal difficulty and uncertainty, we know the name that was given to Jesus, Emmanuel, that means God with us. And the God who is with us has given to you and to me a dignity and a value that the world cannot strip away. A Christian lives in a sense of, of wonder at God's opulence because we know that um, we are forgiven. And that means a follower of Jesus Christ is someone who can let go of the past and all the pain and sorrow that the past often brings up and stirs up as we think about yesterday's sorrow and mistakes and I've been around a while, I know this, others might hold grudges against us, other people might refuse to let go of the past, other people might enjoy reminding you of, of what you used to be like and who you used to be. But because of God's opulent love, you and I have been made new. The Word of God says that we are in fact new creations in Christ. There's a a younger man in our congregation who told me earlier this month that he, he dreads going back to his small town in the Midwest every Christmas because everyone still thinks of him as the rascal he used to be in his younger years. He said, I even spent two nights in jail. They don't think of him as the man of God he is now. The world can be like this, huh? And some of you might even have relatives like that. But your Father in Heaven does not define you by who or what you used to be. You are defined as someone God loves, as someone God knows intimately, as someone for whom the Word was willing to leave the beauty, the perfection of Heaven, and take on human flesh and experience the sorrow and the agony of the cross. We stay awake by living in the knowledge of God's opulent love. And that means that you are so beautiful and precious in His sight. Alert Christians always 
look for opportunity. We stay awake, not because Christianity is a religion with a bunch of rules and a bunch of uh, codes that, that take away our fun. Uh, we live in a joyful celebration of opportunity because we know in Christ there's things we don't have to do, but we, we get to do. We're blessed to do for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Uh, we know that there are people around us that God has planted in our paths who are hurting, who are searching, who are yearning. And they need people who are willing to demonstrate the love of God in Christ in a broken world. A sleepy church cares more about itself and its own preservation than it does reaching out to the lost and the lonely. A sleepy Christian is dulled to the opportunities for blessing the lives of others around them. Uh, here's something that my wife and I, cursed, my wife Kirsten and I do. You don't have to do it. It was kind of awkward for us to begin doing it, but, but I learned this from another pastor. And, um, you know, I've never had anyone um, refuse the invitation. Uh, oftentimes when Kirsten and I are going out to eat at a restaurant, uh, we'll just say to the server, um, thank you for being here today. We don't have to cook. We don't have to clean the dishes. And is there anything for which we might be, be praying for you? It's amazing how people respond to someone saying, can I pray for you? And what can I pray for? People have appreciated that. A church that is awake and alert seizes every opportunity for sharing Christ's love with those who may not yet know what it is to be loved so wonderfully. I've shared this story before. One of my favorite stories about opportunity is about the two shoe companies that sent their own representatives to this remote island in the Pacific. Do you remember that story? The first one contacted the home office immediately and said, get me out of here. Whoever decided to send me here should be fired. This place is terrible. There is no potential for shoe sales here. Everybody goes barefoot. But the second person was different. He sent a message urgent back to the home office. What a great place. Everyone here is barefoot. What a great market for our line of footwear. We need to get started here pronto. Staying awake in Christ means looking at every opportunity God gives us to bless others. Not looking to the negative and all the pitfalls and all the problems, but looking to the opportunities as we are blessed to be a blessing. And that leads me to the third aspect of uh, Christians being alert and awake. Uh, we are people who are optimistic. But when we talk of optimism, we usually think, don't we, of that person who expects everything, always, no matter what, to turn out just great. If he or she just believes it enough. An optimistic person sees the good in every situation and stays positive at all times, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I'd rather be around an optimist than a pessimist. But sometimes optimists really annoy me. Because sometimes I just want them to let me vent and rant without telling me that, oh, well, if you pray, everything will be better. I, I know that, but just let me 
express to you my frustration, my disappointment, my sadness right now in this moment? Can you just minister to me in that way? And then we can talk about being optimistic because, you know, I know Jesus. I know the end of the story. Maybe you heard this. The optimist sees the light at the end of the tunnel. The pessimist sees nothing. And the realist sees the train coming. Well, Christian optimism does not depend on, you know, human attitude. Our hopefulness for the future is grounded in Jesus Christ crucified and risen. We can be spiritually optimistic because the future's in God's hands. No matter what, no matter how horrible things look right now, our attitude toward tomorrow, toward today, is hopeful. Not because everything's perfect, far from it. And it's sure not because of who we are. But it's absolutely because of who God is. God gets to write the final chapter of your life. It's not the obituary. Christian optimism does not fear what might be coming down the tracks. Our legacy as people of God is hopeful optimism. We trust in God's lordship. And for heaven's sake, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to be a bunch of naive Pollyannas. And if you're too young to know what Pollyanna means, Google it. We we see the world as it is. We must see the world as it is. So broken. So many broken relationships and broken lives. So much suffering, so much loneliness. And at the same time, we see opportunities for serving God and being peacemakers, the peace of Christ. And we know that God will indeed have the final word, not the trains. Economic, geopolitical, legal, not the trains that so many think are bearing down on us. So may the peace of Christ, which far surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and keep you alert for the coming of the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.